Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randall. With a whole lot of faith, together, let's find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Hey! Hey, everybody. We're so, so glad you're joining us. It is episode three already. Jenny! I can't believe it! (laughs) Today, we are so excited to be shutting this should up. Today, we're going to be talking about how to empower you to understand joy. Find freedom. Listen, I've been hearing over and over and over again, I should be happy. I don't know if you've ever said that, or you've ever felt that, or you thought that, that I should be happy, gum. That's my little parentheses at the end, gum. But you should. But we want to know how, and we really want to dive into this. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. You, you better be prepared, because today is going to be a fun, fun episode. So let's get right to it. In today's show, we'll find freedom from all that should. This is the part of the show where we rapid fire the things we are so thankful for throughout the week. So get ready. I'm going to set the clock and we have 30 seconds. Are you ready, Candace? You know, I get hives, but okay, let's do it. Let's do it. On your mark, get set. Confetti like praise. Pumpkin spice lattes. Ooh, I'm always going to go with coffee. Lattes. I'll do regular. You said coffee in every single one. I'm going to say fluffy pillows that don't give you a backache. Ooh, nice. Lara bars. Artwork. I just love artwork. I love post-it notes. Ooh, okay. I like um, gummy bears that are infused with alcohol. Ooh, don't use that that one! (laughs) I'm so (laughs) using it! Oh! Okay. Um, um, Oh, your love note you wrote me the other day. It's on my desk. And time's up. Time is up. Well, that just sounds like there's so much explaining after those two. I mean, like, I feel so vulnerable and exposed. I'm talked about alcohol-infused gummy bears, and I talked about a love note to you. This sounds so gross and weird. Like, ah, Jenny. (laughs) I'm like... So uncomfortable. No, guys, some context. I'll tell my, my part. My family, we just relocated. And Candace sent me some happy mail. And it was on one of the days I was feeling so alone. And it popped into my mailbox. So thank you, Candace, for taking the time. Well, I didn't know it would be on that day. So that's good. Well, I have to explain yeah. the alcohol-infused gummy bears. Listen, I went to a candy shop when I went to go speak because it was across from my hotel. Because you know what? I just thought, gum, that's so bright and colorful. I need to go in and see what it is. And then I found these gummy bears. They don't have real alcohol, but they taste like they do. So it tastes like a margarita or it tastes like rum and Coke. They have zero alcohol, but yet they taste like it. And so I'm addicted now. Now I'm like, where do I find these? Because I feel like I'm being naughty when I'm not. (laughs) I would almost prefer the opposite. Like, give me something that tastes like chocolate peanut butter Reese's, but have me get wasted while I'm... No, I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. Welcome. People are going to be like, I know what I'm going to suggest they should do. They should not talk about alcohol and getting wasted on a Christian podcast. Just a disclaimer. I don't drink personally. That's my disclaimer. Before I before I get hate mail for saying I wish I had chocolate peanut butter drunk balls of love. Okay, this don't is Don't ever say words. drunk balls. Don't say drunk balls of love even. You added of love? Jenny Randall. 
Holy mackerel. I just want to let people know, we did pray into this episode. We did some, like, prophesy pray, and we hit record, and this is what's happening. So, welcome. I actually kind of love this right now, because this is, this is the joy of the Lord. It's like, what in the world? I'm sweating, and I'm so uncomfortable, Candace. I, here, let's, pe- let's press some boundaries. I don't even care about that. That's wonderful. Let's do it. Let's do it. That confetti, like, praise led us to gold right there. It led us to rivers and streams of happiness. And I'm pretty sure our, our, our listeners are completely confused. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with I it. I am too. I almost said gold nuggets and I had a feeling you'd censor that. So I now I'm saying it and now it's awkward. I hope okay. you don't edit a single thing out of this moment. Okay, you guys, that was enough celebrating. That was I enough know, celebrating. We are celebrating on the things yeah. we're thankful for, but let's yep. celebrate how God is, is using this, this podcast, believe it or not, <laughs> to make an impact. Won't he do it, y'all? Time and time again, won't he do it, y'all? segment will highlight your reviews and celebrate how God is using this podcast to make an impact. And don't forget, if you're loving the show, go and leave a review on Apple Podcast or however you listen. Here's what username 18KHMN said after dropping us a whopping five stars. Five! <laughs> this is what the world needs. Laughter. You know, laughter is good medicine and parts the gray cloud. So tune in and step into sunshine. Turn off your TV, turn up the podcast. You'll lose weight and get in a workout just from laughing. <laughs> Wisdom. Okay, so if you could really lose weight from listening to this, I'm putting it on repeat. That's all I know. I'm putting it on repeat. I'm going to put it on along with one of those like hot workout belly sucker things in, those waist <laughs> trainers. No. No, don't do that. But thank you, 18KHMN. We sure do appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. If you want to leave a review, please, please do. And you could be featured also on an upcoming episode. It really is amazing the things that we tell ourselves that we should and shouldn't do. The things that we constantly play on repeat in our heads. Come on now, what do we say? So today's topic has got me really excited because it's all about joy and this idea of I should be happy. And I know I meet people all the time saying that to me. I should have more joy, I should be happier. And listen, we all know the adage, the old one that says, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And my thoughts are this, our happiness, our joy really does set a temperature in our homes. Yeah. It can diffuse conversations that are heated. I mean, like joy is such a weapon. It's so formidable. It's such a necessity to our lives. And I did not think, Jenny, that I would be somebody that would be talking about joy on like a 24-7 basis. <laughs> Never in my life, like ever. Joy is your job. It's your job. Joy is my job. Boy, isn't that true? Um, Listen, when I had the video that went viral a few years ago, it changed my entire perception on this topic of joy. Because I don't know if you've ever had something kind of lying dormant in yourself that gets awakened. Mm. Uh, This was one of those things that it just was highlighted to me. After 
posting a video wearing a Chewbacca mask and laughing my head off for four minutes. I had message upon message of people saying, you know what? I forgot what it was like to laugh. I forgot what it was like to just be carefree and take a moment and giggle, you know? And, or they would say, I can't remember the last time I laughed like that. Thank you so much for sharing that. The commonality in all of it was what I saw was a deficit of joy. Yeah. You know, if I would read them over and over and over again, and every single one of them would basically say, I didn't even know I was missing happiness. Wow. And this is what I feel like is bubbling to the surface in our culture are a whole bunch of people that are finally aware. We're not happy. And I feel like I should be. So what's the breakdown? What's making me not happy? What what can I do to actually get happy? And listen, listen, Christian people are the worst about this. Let me just go ahead and say this. I love you, Christian people, but we like to push happy to one side and joy to another. And I've had people actually correct me and they're like, you don't mean to say happy. You mean to say joy because joy is of the Lord and it's a fruit of the spirit and happiness is not. And I'm like, okay, let's just start there. When you're saying I should be happy, Jesus cares about your happiness as well. And I can prove it. I've heard all my life in church that joy is something that we need to strive for. But did you realize that joy is a byproduct? It isn't what we can actually own and develop. Oh, this is good, Candace. Tweetable, tweetable. (laughs) But joy is a byproduct. It is not something we can grow or develop. And because it's a byproduct, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You cannot plant something with a seed and then grow a different kind of seed or a different kind of fruit from that seed. So the Holy Spirit literally has to infuse you to actually grow joy out of your life and then be something that you can consume, devour, and then actually drop to the ground so that it'll grow some more into something new. And that's what joy really is. But happiness, this topic always got me because I was like, okay, God, you're giving me this great platform to be able to talk about joy. And what about people that are saying, can I just be happy? Can I not just have those momentary, those instant moments where I feel it? Because listen, that video of mine wasn't about joy, 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 joy. It was about a happy moment. I don't laugh like that all the time. Surprise, surprise. I can probably (laughs) count how many times in my life I've done that where I've just lost my junk and let go and laugh that free. One of them just happens to be documented on camera in my car, you know. (laughs) But I would say happiness was starting to bug me, trying to find it in the scriptures. And it wasn't until I went to Israel back in April of 2018, I was literally standing on the Mount of Beatitudes. And I felt like, well, maybe I should open up my Bible and read the story here from what Jesus preached. Let's read the Sermon on the Mount. And I was reading from the Passion Translation. And I discovered that word, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are what Jesus was saying, blessed. When you go to the original connotation of that word, it means happy. Come on. It means happy are the peacemakers. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those that um, weep. And, And I'm sitting here telling you this because for the first time I'd had my eyes open that Jesus is concerned about our happiness, not just us producing joy in our lives that is sustainable, but he's concerned about us being happy And us having lives that reflect happiness and genuine happiness. Listen, I found myself weeping, like crying tears because I'm like, God, you actually do care if I'm happy or not. 
And it was the first time I'd ever had any thought in a religious scope in my mindset that Jesus was concerned about my happiness. I felt like it was fake it till you make it joy all my life, all my life. And if I wasn't happy, then I better not let anybody see it. Mm. You know, if somebody said, how you doing? It's that "Mm, I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored. Joy in the Lord. Hallelujah. And it wasn't real. And I couldn't make that disconnect make any sense in my mind. And for the first time, I'm actually standing at the place where Jesus proclaimed the greatest happy sermon of his life. When I look at somebody saying, I should be happy, and then they feel that guilt that comes with that phrase, and then they correct themselves to say, oh, I should know joy. (laughs) Well, guess this. You're not going to know happiness unless you are somebody that says, my entire circumstances and everything I do throughout my day depend on Jesus, depend on him. I will tell you this, that trip kind of framed my whole perception on what happiness and joy is really like and why I should be happy. And I'll just say this, you you think you know what the body of Christ, the bride of Christ looks like and what her ailments are and the things that bug her in your local church, being just somebody that prays every week and week week out and, and you talk with your church leadership and you're like, I can see on podcasts and books that are being written, this is a topic. But until you've actually had the opportunities that, that I've had to be able to go around the United States and speak to different churches, all different denominations, it's like you get this aerial scope of the body of Christ and what's really wounding her, what's really hurting her, and where her bruises are. And I would say that what I see nine times out of 10 is this desire for a fulfilled life, a happy life, a life that feels like I have the answer and the truth. Why don't I feel it? Mm. Why don't I experience it? Why don't I carry that into every room? And why do I feel like on the days that I do, it's forced? And for me, I never thought I would be an ambassador for joy. Listen, Cosmopolitan did an article on me And that's like, I'm not name dropping or dropping an experience here. But listen, I was so scared to death. They were going to ask me questions about my sex life. (laughs) You know, I'm like, Cosmo, what do they want to talk to me? That article came out and I had meat sweats about it. Listen, I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, it's going to be horrible. And instead, that editor of that magazine article wrote something about me that I carry into today. She described me very simply as a joy evangelist. Wow. And she didn't even know how impactful or prophetic those words would be on my life because that was early on. But I feel like the world needs, if you're asking yourself, should I be happy? Yeah, you should be a joy evangelist in every room that you walk into. Because if you have the hope of glory, if you say, I am a Christian and I know the answer, you should display more joy than what you are displaying right now. And this is a should that I think is okay to have. You should be happy. Yeah, And you should tell yourself that daily. I should be happy, gum. So what is the block? What is the warfare? What is the thing that's keeping me from that? And man, my life, my eyes have been open to the deficit that we have and the need that we all have to actually experience true godly happiness and godly joy that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. There's so many questions I want to lean into because we actually haven't talked in depth about this. And I'm like, wow, I'm sitting here with a woman who's written so many resources, travels around nationally speaking about this, and I'm the wheels are spinning. So would you put joy and happiness, you put them in similar categories, 
correct? I would say if you need to define them and separate them, there's a big identifier for each. Okay. Happiness is gratification. And joy is satisfaction. Happiness is momentary. Joy is eternal. It has no end. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we think because something gratifies and is temporal that it's sinful. We automatically put it in the category as I don't need that and want that because that's not Jesus. And that's not the case. It's still very good. Happiness is, is good. But it, we do need to know that we cannot lean on that and we cannot give that away like we can joy that is eternal and that has sustainability. If you're trying to grow joy, you're doing it all wrong because it's not yours to grow. Yeah, it, it is a fruit, meaning the Holy Spirit has to be the one that grows joy in your life. When you find yourself facing an obstacle, like James says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. That's when you go, oh, wait a minute. How can I be joyful and in my anticipation for the outcome of this when I know it's a trial? That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit because you are not that good. You are, you are not that capable. Yeah. Our natural tendency is to freak out, run, ducktail, and then be like, I can't do this. But when you find yourself being hit with the worst possible news and you still go, you know what? This is going to be for the good. I'm going to see my God move. I'm going to see him take me through this. Woo! And you know what? Today's going to be a good day regardless. That's when you know, oh, that's the Holy Spirit doing some work in you. Yeah. But on these moments, when you walk into a room full of people where you're unsure of yourself and you don't know how to fit in and you're trying to figure out how can I be happy in this moment when I feel so insecure, that's when you can go, God, do you care about my, my happiness? And he says, yeah, yeah. Happy are you when you're a peacemaker? Walk in that room with some peace. Mm, that's good. Happy are you when you're meek? Walk in there with some meekness. You're going to find happiness. Let somebody else do the talking in the conversation. See what you can lean in and listen. And you're going to find that they connect with you on the same level. And y'all can laugh about something that you didn't even know. Maybe it's a Tommy Boy quote. Who knows? But I want you to be these things so that you can know what happiness is. Oh, Candace. You took us there. That's, yeah. Come on. I, I'm i reminded of one of my children. Mm -hmm. So I took... We were leaving. We were moving out of our house, and I wanted to get a la the last photo in front of the moving truck. And I had out my camera, and I'm like, smile. And my child says, just because I'm smiling doesn't mean I'm happy. And I want to press into that thought because yeah. a lot of us smile, and there's so much pain behind that smile. And your life story... I'm going to say it. There weren't, wasn't much to smile about. No, no, no. That's, I think that's a surprising thing for a lot of people to find out when they get to know me. But I wanted people to know that not only have I faced homelessness as a, as a child, a nine-year-old, um, a failed suicide attempt, um, molestation, <laughs> and not only that, uh, gosh, insecurity with my weight my entire life, feeling like I was always outside looking in, just wondering if my marriage was going to survive, remembering the night that I cried about it, saying, God, if it's over, it's over. And a lot of people think that just because you're happy or just because you're smiling, it, that you've got your things together and your life together. The reality is, is that we all know you don't. 
we all know nobody's perfect. Nobody's smiling. And if you don't know that, then grow up. I mean, I hate being that blunt, but just really grow up, grow up with your expectations. What you see online of people are their highlights. It, it is the place where they show the best of themselves and the greatest moments because they want to remember them. I don't post the tamper tantrum that my kid threw in the aisle of Target when they were three or four where they became dead weight and I've got to carry them around and drag them like a sloth. I mean, you don't <laughs> post those moments. You yeah. want to remember the moments that did bring you joy and make you happy. And so when you see that as the gauge for how you're going to represent other people on a daily basis before you even interact with them, it's just immaturity. You should always expect that your smile doesn't mean you're happy. And I even, man, I even want to take it a bit further. I saw a meme and I hate living off of meme theology, but let's do this. Okay. Do it. (laughs) I saw this meme that it has stuck with me and I don't know the original um, person that posted it. So forgive me if you're listening, but it said just because someone carries it well, doesn't mean it isn't heavy. Mm. And if that hasn't been the descriptor of my life to a T. I mean, just because somebody carries it well doesn't mean it still isn't heavy to them. Doesn't mean you're not still going through something internally. And and this is why it's a wonderful well balance that we all need to learn about having both joy and happiness. Cuz happiness gives us those boosts. If I think about happiness in a video game context, okay? I grew up playing Sonic the Hedgehog. And there were always this little lamppost that once you hit the lamppost, you got to run fast and you sparkled and you got to be invincible. And then you would do that for only like, you know, maybe 12 seconds. And then you go back to normal. And the music would get crazy too. It'd be like, and you'd be running. You'd be like, yes, I'm defeating everything. And I think God gives us these spurts of happiness so that we can make it through these times in our life that seem overwhelming and really just feel like we can't conquer them. And he goes, hold on. Happiness is here in this moment. Take it, run, go. And then joy sustains us for the rest of the game. Joy sustains us to walk every single day. And so I feel like we can't just separate them and we can't say why either or. It has to be a combination of both. And you should be happy. Christians should be the happiest people on this planet. And by and large, that's not the opinion of us, FYI. We look like bigots, jerks, judgmental, fascists, misogynists. And we got to knock that out of the church. We got to knock it out. We should be happy. So get your happy pants on. I don't care what it takes. <laughs> Find some happiness. Find something that sparks you and makes you go, ooh, that gave me a little bit of happiness. And I'm not saying go out and get blazing drunk and be promiscuous and do all the things that the world calls gratification. There's a difference with holy happiness versus happiness that this world offers. Yeah. And there, like, I can get an endorphin release from getting on a treadmill and listening to praise and worship music that take me to a level of happiness where I leave that thing exhausted, sweaty, pour it out. And yet at the same time, be like, Ooh, I'm ready. I'm ready for today. I can go through a Starbucks drive through line and get me a stinking pumpkin spice latte and find the joy of the Lord in that first sip. And then be like, I am ready for what my kids arguing in the back. I don't care. I got a pumpkin spice swirling around on my tongue. Amen. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you do need to find those things that say, This can bring me some happiness today. Simple joys. Simple joys. So good. 
I wish I was taking notes. It's just like the joy and happiness, they coexist. I see them working together. And then in those moments of pain or sorrow or loss or even grief, that moment can still hold purpose and happiness and joy and it can coexist. And I think oftentimes we brush our feelings under the rug and we don't let, we don't create space for those moments to coexist or even the opposite. We're so sloppy with our emotions and we're led by emotions and it ends up serving no one because you're missing that foundation of joy that you were talking about because you're just being emotional led, not like theology. God is here. He is with you. There is joy that you can have, right? Like that is a truth. Absolutely. You've had a hard background and and maybe some listeners can relate. Maybe some haven't gone through the trials you've experienced, but they still might feel depressed. They still might struggle to get out of bed in the morning. They still might struggle even to find their purpose or even to find value in the moments that might seem insignificant, although they carry significance. So if I want you to just speak life, and I know this isn't really, we're going a little, let's just do it. I want you to speak life to that person. Well, first of all, I don't ever want to feel careless with who is listening. I get that we may have a listener right now that's walking through a divorce. We may have one that has just gotten a diagnosis of something that's terminal. You know, we don't know who's listening right now. And we don't want to seem like, well, just find your happy. Just find it and live it out and let the fruit of the spirit just be your joy. That's not what we're saying. There's real pain. There is real pain. Absolutely. What I will say to that is this. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Nehemiah said that in a time where they had to rebuild. They had to see families come together. They had to find the Lord amongst their people all over again. That was a desperate time and a scattering where they thought there's no hope. And I will tell you this, your hope is directly tied to your joy. If you don't have hope in the situation that you're in, you won't know joy. You won't. It'll be so foreign to you. Because if you feel hopeless, you can lose all joy instantly. So I'm going to ask you to rally around what the Bible says about the God that you love and serve. And his faithfulness will be your anchor to your hope. And your hope will be the thing that fuels your joy. Because a lot of people are looking for joy, but the reality is they need more hope. I mean, they do. They need to know God is with you. He is for you. He is the same as he was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will move on your behalf. Those are the things you need to be crying out and saying so that your joy can be fueled. You cannot know yeah. joy without knowing hope. And, and secondly, I'd say this. If you are facing a circumstance where you feel like this is hopeless, I cannot see the future with any kind of rose-colored lenses at all then there needs to be a transformation of your thoughts in your minds. Philippians 4, 8 says so clearly, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Because if you dwell on the thoughts of misery and what you're walking through, and that's all you see, you won't be able to see the other side of hope to be able to experience joy through it. And I'm going to point you to Philippians 4, 8 before I point you to James 1. That says, consider it all joy when you face trials of many kind. Many people start there and they're like, well, just consider it joy. <laughs> You're like, gum. how? 
We'll start by, by thinking if it's been noble, if it's praiseworthy, if it's lovely, if it's honorable. Think on those things. Praise God for those things. Look at them with, with a sober eye and say, God, you are faithful. You have been faithful and you will lead me through this. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is this in, in the Corinthians, I can't remember which one it is, but we'll find it and put it in the show notes for you. The scripture. It's the one that says that every thought that raises itself against God, that we need to take captive and think about it this way. When you take a criminal captive, you put them in chains you take them to a prison, you lock them up, and then they face a court date. They have to face the judge, and then the judge puts a sentence out there. He either says this criminal needs to stay here or be put to death, or they need to be let free because it's wrongly accused. And there are thoughts that you have roaming in your head about your current situation right now that either need to be condemned or set free. But you haven't taken them to God. You just keep them, letting them roam free in your mind. <laughs> and you're like, God's not with me. Hey, take that thought captive right now. Take it to the high judge that either needs to sentence it or let it loose. And then you say, whatever that verdict is, I'm, I'm here. I trust you. I trust you that you're going to do this for the good of those who love you and that are called according to your purpose. You know, those, if you're really in that situation right now, get control of your mind. Let it be renewed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, and by the fact that Jesus has afforded you the opportunity to walk boldly into the throne room of God with anything you were facing. Come on. Whew. I almost just prayed us out and ended the episode. Like, <laughs> Well, this topic, I know a little bit about. I feel Holy Spirit on it. And, and I just want to say that there's a lot of practical stuff people can pull out from everything you're saying. Um, like, yeah, get in the presence of God. If you're in the midst of a battle, if you're battling depression or like Candace said, a divorce, like get in the presence of God. One way you do that in a practical sense, turn on worship music, like surround yourself with praises, like sing his praises and watch things starting, start to shift like practical stuff. Go to church. Hey, let me say something about that. When people tell you to start singing some praise music, I don't know. Have you ever done mad worship? Have you ever done angry worship? Yes. And I don't like that. And so when some people are like, just get in the presence of God. I'm like, last time I was there, I was angry. Listen to those indicators. If you find yourself, you're like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try praying. And you still find yourself angry. Oh, tried step number two. Let's put on some praise and worship music. And you still find yourself angry. Then here's what I want you to do. I want you to tactile something. When I say that, get out a piece of paper, get a pen, and I want you just to scribble. I want you to scribble until that anger goes away. I mean, I want you to draw just a circle until that circle bleeds through the next page. And then you, all the while that you're circling, I want you to talk about God, about everything that you're disappointed in, everything that you doubt, everything that you said, I've lost hope here. I don't see your hand here. I don't see your goodness. I don't see that you're moving on my behalf. And then when you're done with that circle, lift up that pen, chuck it across the room, tear out that page, and you tear it to shreds and say, but nevertheless, like Daniel, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, even though our God, he is able to deliver us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, mm. we will still trust him. And this is where you go, I put it all out there, and I'm going to say right now, even if you don't come through, I still love you. I still praise you. I still worship you. I still seek you. I still know that you got my joy. I still know that you have a plan and a purpose for me. 
This is where I think a lot of us, we just feel like we say one prayer and it should just be all be magically changed. Yeah. I, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta prophesy in this moment. Like you, mm, I, I just feel like there's a woman listening and we're going to go there. You guys, uh, everybody Do like, it. let's go there. There's a woman listening. And I just see you like sobbing your face off being like, I have not seen God. I mm. have not seen God. He's, he, nope. Haven't seen him haven't experienced it. He hasn't been here. And you're feeling so lonely and like so angry. Like when Candace was describing the process of like go cope, deal, like coping through your anger and like bringing it to God. Let me tell you, God can handle your anger. He can handle your anger. He can handle your pain. You are not too much for him. And I want to challenge you. If this word is like hating you in the face, like that must be for you. And I want what Candace is saying. I want you to, to, Press into that, take it to God and know that he is with you. That's what I want you to know. He is with you. He sees you. There is so much. He can turn all that pain into the joy that Candace is describing because of who he is. He is there. He is with you. And yes, yeah. And if you're like, yeah, dude, that's totally me. Like, can you reach out to us? Cause we will pray. We want to pray for you. Like, this is what the show, this is why we're doing this. Like, it's not just, we're not just one hit wonders. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think our listeners understand at this point that, um, well, we're three episodes in, but you're going to understand this is not about let's expand our influence or have an opportunity to start something fun that everybody else is doing. We're flushing all of the format because we feel a greater call to who is listening and what they're listening for. Genuinely, we want to see you find freedom in this area of your life because I honestly believe you should be happy. You should be. And there's nothing that should stop that. Especially if you have the hope of glory inside of you. Come on, that is... That is a happiness bomb waiting to happen at any point that you can just press into and say, come on, God, I need the joy of the Lord. I need it to be my strength. You called in with your questions. You shared with us your shoulds. We just want to listen and maybe we can do some good. You guys are a community that interact with us. You're giving us feedback. You're like letting us in on your experiences, how God's moving in your life. And it's a way we get to catch a glimpse into your story. And we want to feature your story. We want to hear what God's doing. We want to hear your shoulds. So if you want to call in anytime, you can call 315-308-0163 and please leave us a voicemail. You might be featured on our show. And we recently had Diana. She left a, vo- a voicemail. So take a listen. Hey, this is Diana from Arlington and um, Arlington, Texas. Woo-woo, Texas! I know, Texas! She's literally down the street. And I was just going to tell you my should is that I should always keep people happy. That's a struggle of mine. I always think that everybody has to be happy with me all of the time. And that's just not true. So that's my shit. Diana. Is it Diana or Diane? I feel like we're missing this here. Is it? Yeah, it was a little muffled. So let's call her Diana. It's hard to tell in these voicemails. So let's call you Diana. We love you. Let's dissect. The feeling that you should keep other people happy is impossible to satisfy. 
That's impossible to satisfy. You'll never feel like you've ever gained traction with that feeling. So you just need to drop that should. Drop it. Drop it like it's hot. Come on. Yep. Yep. Let it go. You cannot make everybody happy. You are not a taco. (laughs) (laughs) You are not a taco. I've seen that on a shirt. No, that's, I feel like it brings satisfaction to yourself when you have peace in your home. I think all of us feel that, you know, but the reality is if, if you're aiming to live your life by, I should make everybody around me happy, that's just not going to be a reality that's going to be sustainable. It won't satisfy your life. You won't be able to do it. Um, so do you just pray it away or is there a part, is there a process you can walk through to kind of train yourself out of that mindset? I would say, and this is not a slam to our caller, please do not take it this way, but I, I honestly feel this. There probably needs some to be some therapy and some counseling. I see this as an opportunity for, for you to be able to learn not just how to accept other people in how they feel, but to be with them in how they feel. That's a lesson that you can't learn overnight. It takes really dissecting with somebody to hit your triggers that you've walked through. And listen, I know that not everybody can just afford a therapist either. So um, I would say there's trusted church leadership. There's trusted counsel that they may be able to offer at your church as well. I just want to say we're pro-counseling and, and getting help when you need it. Just to be honest, uh, the hard work has always paid off. The hard work of visiting those spaces in either my past that I've walked through or what I'm facing currently, or the fears of the unknown. Anytime that I've brought those to counseling, it's always been beneficial. That your happiness shouldn't depend on whether you're for everybody or not, and that they're happy with you. Um, Mamas, we can spin circles in our homes trying to make our family happy, and trying to make our kids happy with us, and we will miss opportunities to pour in discipleship because of it. And this is where I feel like if you start basing your entire life and your surroundings on if people are happy with you or not, then you're not doing the real hard work of seeing anybody grow beyond a level where you can control them. And uh, it needs to be letting go of that control. That way people can discover their own joy, their own happiness in a safe place with you as you're discovering yours as well. Wisdom. That's a wisdom nugget for you guys. There you go. Wisdom nugget. At least it's not a ball of alcohol or whatever you called it earlier. Good night. Makes me afraid to even revisit that phrase. Um, Chocolate balls. I don't know. It was balls or something. And you just didn't need to say it. I, well, now you're bringing it back around trying to full circle the moment. And I'm so (laughs) equally as uncomfortable. Um, Okay, guys. Listeners, here's what I'm deciding on air live. Well, you it won't be live. I think this needs to be an extended this needs to be an extended episode. So, if you guys need to like I don't want to le- lose the momentum of this by breaking it into two different weeks. Like, I want us to be all in, dive in. Like, you can handle a little bit of a longer episode. And if you need to pause the podcast and pick it up tomorrow or like in a couple of days, like, do that. Obviously, you can do that, but show back up for it. And, and cause we're gonna finish up strong here. We wanna pray over you at the end. We're gonna dive into what the Bible says even more and just know that like we're, we're, Joy Evangelist is here. Let's do this. We're going to give you just a little second. You're going to hear a ding. And in this ding, we're going to give you three seconds of peace. 
Just silence. Oh, I thought you were going to say a three-second dance party, and I was like, <laughs> we're so aligned, Candace. I'm ready for the party. You're like, yes. And no, I'm just, I'm just thinking sometimes when you have an idea shift in your mind, you need a second to take a breath and a pause and to receive it. So we're going to give you a little ding. You're going to hear that ding. There's going to be three seconds of silence on a podcast. That's scary as all get out for us. Stay. But in those three seconds, we're going to encourage you to dig in, receive, because what we're going to dive into next is really what does the Bible say about joy? What does God say about your joy? Guys, I even sat still for three seconds. I felt really good about that. That felt really good. It did. It kind of made me hold my breath. And then I realized my abs are sore. He said, what? He said, what? He said, what? Say it again. Say it again. He said, what? What does the Bible say about being happy? What does that even look like? Candace, lead, lead us into that discussion. All right, so we've got all these floating opinions about happiness and joy that we've probably picked on and picked up throughout our life of being in church. If you were a church kid at all, like I was, I would say the biggest thing we have to move past from what the Bible actually says about our joy versus what we've experienced in church services is this simple thing that I call the Grin and Barrett theology. (laughs) It's this idea that you just got to grin and bear it. You got to grin and bear it. That is the joy of the Lord. You take whatever he gives you, and you grin and you bear it. And then you make it to the next season and you grin and you bear that too. I would think though that most of us have found that that's not satisfying and it's not sustainable. The grin and bear it theology that I've grown up in church seeing actually does nothing for my joy, nothing for my happiness. It quite actually does the opposite of fulfilling joy and making me understand what happiness can actually look like in a healthy Christian home. This Grin and Barrett idea, you've probably seen it in your church where it looks like, you know what? God's making me experience this hardship and I tell you what, I'm going to be just happy about it, dadgummit. But yet your face doesn't say happy. Your life doesn't say happy. Your attitude doesn't say happy. Your experiences that you choose don't say happy. And all the while, we've got the character of the Lord, depending on your stewarding of those moments of hardship. So I want us to look at, in all honesty, what James 1 does say about considering all trials joy. And simply put, if you, if you want to look along, I'm reading in the Passion Translation and it starts in one verse two, says my fellows believer, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. See, a lot of times what we see is obstacle or opposition. We need to see as opportunity. And I don't think that any of us see an opportunity for joy in the middle of struggle. We definitely see it as something we have to get through or get over to encounter joy. And there's a countercultural opinion. We don't just grin and bear it. 
we see it as an opportunity to have our greatest joy in the middle of those moments. Um, and then this is why. This is why. We, we can't just take verse 2. You have to keep on reading. Verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Do you realize that your trials and your struggles and your opposition is not just an opportunity for joy, but it is an opportunity to be made perfect in your weakness? And this is where we lean on the word to let us know what that looks like. It says that his strength is perfected in our weakness. When you're weak, when you're going through opposition, when you're encountering a trial that you don't understand the outcome, find it as an opportunity to watch God move on your behalf. Because that's where your joy comes. It doesn't come from you figuring out a new 10-step program. It doesn't come from you figuring out a new way that you can teach others. I found the joy of the Lord in this crappy situation. No, you didn't. You found dependence on God. You found a way to trust him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and acknowledge him in every single way. And that flourished your joy. That's the opportunity for your faith to deepen and grow and for you to not be bound and be tethered to these spiritual opinions that keep you honestly from growing in endurance. The very thing that you may see as difficult may be your opportunity for joy. It may be the very thing that he's calling you to. And it may not look like roses and sunshine on that side of the field, but dark, gloomy clouds and thunder is roaring around and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. The, the thing is, is that you have the Lord of all hosts of armies with you. That should motivate you to have joy in that moment. That's your opportunity to sit back and go, watch my God move. But the other thing about the scripture that we're looking at, what the Bible really says, it says, consider it joy. Consider is a learned behavior. So you have to forcibly create a space in your mind to change your thoughts about a situation and think differently about it. Consideration is not something innately that you're going to feel when you experience a trial or hardship. Consideration says, whoa, let me look at this differently than what my natural inclination is. Yeah, it's a maturity. Oh my goodness. There's so much goodness that comes with actually considering what you're walking through. But Matthew 5, when Jesus was actually on the earth and speaking to people in crowds that were massive, and we're not just talking about like, Oh, he was talking to the religious leaders of the day and his disciples, and it was a group of maybe 20 people. He was talking to thousands. If this was going to be a message from the Father's heart that he wanted us to get while he was alive, the Beatitudes is one of those sermons that we have to look at for the litmus test about joy and happiness. When you look at the way that the Passion Translation breaks down the origin of that word blessed into happy, listen to the Beatitudes in a new way. Matthew 5, 3, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty for theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord for you will find what you long for. 
What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded by fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss, get that, what bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. And verse 10, how enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right, for that is when you experience the realm of heaven, heaven's kingdom. Verse 11, how ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great. Listen, I think Jesus was crying out to this generation saying very specifically to them that were on the mountain, but to us as well. There is delight, there is blessing, there is bliss, there is ecstatic joy that awaits you when you walk in the ways of the Lord, when you understand what his kingdom is all about and living right in the way of his kingdom's way. You know, people can even assess this. Let's just be honest. You're going to experience something that's not fun. But here's the fun thing about the kingdom of heaven. I let you have joy in the middle of it. What you think is absolute junk and garbage, I'm giving you joy in it. And I'm not saying grin and bear it and pretend to be happy. I'm saying let God fight your battles and walk you through, step before you, and you watch him move and you will find joy behind every single defeat of the enemy. Our answer to everything that we walk through the way that we can consider everything that we face joy, that our faith can be made complete, that we can grow into maturity is only because Christ is before us, behind us. He hems us in. He walks and he moves. And if we don't know that in the scriptures, if we don't know what his word says about it, we'll think there's this huge opposition to the word of God with what we're facing in reality. And there's not. He gives us warning upon warning upon warning. He says, hey, in this world, there will be many troubles. But take heart. But take heart. And that's not just about rally up some courage. It's, whoa, take heart for me means lift my eyes up, get my heart ready to watch the Lord move because there's some troubles and he's going to move. And my joy is going to be outstanding when he walks through it. Man, again, pointing back to going towards the presence of God and not away. I just keep thinking about this man I met. So I was producing a TV show in college and we would go on the street and we'd ask interview questions. And one of them was, when have, when have you faced a hardship? And I'll never forget it. This man, he was like, I used to be a pastor. Now I'm not. And I'm like, you can't, you can't just leave that. Like, tell me, tell us more. And he lost a child and he stepped away from God. And maybe you guys are listening and you face such hard suffering, you face trials, and you find yourself right where that man was. You stepped away from God and you can't, you did not choose to see him in your suffering. You did not choose to see the goodness of God in the midst of hard, painful circumstance. And one thing I think we can take away and learn from what Candace is teaching us today is to press in to the presence of God in the midst of, because we're going to face stuff. 
And God is there, whether you choose to see it or not, he is there. And you have opportunity to walk in maturity of faith, to press in and see him before you, in front of you and behind you. Yeah. You know, I would say this specifically, this idea of encountering loss, encountering sorrow, suffering, that's on a magnitude that we would automatically associate with massive massive collateral damage happens in our lives every day in defiant joy. My, my Bible study that I walk you through six weeks of encountering what happens when you're full of defiant joy week five, I discuss the story of Job and I'm not going to discuss it here because I feel like we could spend another hour and a half, but I feel like there's so much to learn from the story of Job that had literally encountered almost every human suffering that we could possibly imagine. Marital problems. He faced suicidal thoughts. He lost children. He walked through health and sickness issues that could have taken him out. His friends abandoned him. He was accused. I mean, here's the story of somebody that we see perfectly can identify with almost everything. The only other person in scripture that we see that's above that is Jesus Christ himself as the man of sorrows. But when you're looking at the story of Job, there is so much to lean into and look at what God restores and does to our joy in the middle of every single moment. And so I want, I would encourage you if you haven't gone through defiant joy, I feel like that's a study that you need to get and be with your friends, grab even just one other person, even just one other person. That's a small group, right? says where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there also. Well, that makes two. All right. But if you've got even more than that and you're like, we've been listening to this and we really want to get hold of that study. We want to walk through it, make it through week five. And I promise you, there will be some more tactile work that you can do. If you're really in the middle of that situation right now, facing dire consequences, massive collateral damage with the things that are happening in your life right now that have just blown up and you feel are hopeless. I encourage you to take that study and walk through it a little bit differently to find defiant joy in the middle of whatever you're facing. That's good, Candace. I'm so glad you recommended your resources because if you weren't going to, <laughs> I was going to because you have you have written so much. You've poured your heart and, and your soul into building the church. And, and when we say church, you guys, most of the time we're talking about capital C, the a body of believers, the people, not like your physical church that you go to on Sunday, Yeah. but you poured your heart into building the church and pointing, pointing us towards joy. And, uh, from, from one leader to another, I, I'm so thankful for what you've poured into it. This isn't just a resource to say, Hey, look at me. Like, it is a solid teaching, like all your resources people can connect with. So if you guys are looking for to take a next step, or if you need to put some action behind what you've been mulling over in prayer with God, like this is your, this is your action point. Just want to put this out there. I didn't create a book. I never saw it in myself to be an author or a teacher at all. But I knew very quickly when all of this was handed to me about three years ago that I couldn't continue to have these hour-long conversations with every single person that I met. I needed to be able to have a venue to be able to put it out there so that people could go at their own pace and figure it out in their own timing and in their own season and have the longevity of it being there even five or six years from when I wrote it so that it wasn't just a seasonal teaching. It could be something that they would experience and know beyond 
just a moment with Chewbacca mom and learning some joy for the church. And so for me, my desire honestly is to see you resourced. It's to see you find that freedom to walk in joy, to walk in happiness and to live out what the church should actually look like. A people that feel like they belong and that they're they're happy to belong to to the God that we love. Hey, let's pray. Before we leave, we want to encourage you the best way we know how. And that's to go to the one who holds all the freedom within our joy, within our sadness, within our sorrow, even our happiness. So let's pray. God, we just honor you with the fact that you are faithful. We honor you with that confession of our heart, even if we don't believe it or understand it or fully realize it. But above anything that we are going to ask for you, we just confess right now, you are faithful. You are constant. You're always good. I feel like we could camp on that for hours, God. You are always good. For those of us right now that are listening and praying with us, I feel like some of them right now are really doubting the goodness of God by what they see with their human eyes. They see this mountain in front of them that seems immovable, that they don't even know how they're going to walk to the base of it, let alone climb it. Increase our faith to know the God that is able, the God that is capable, and the God above all of that that cares to move. (laughs) You're good. You're good. I'm going to ask for sweet moments this week where we position ourselves in your presence. God, I'm asking for these listeners and for myself and for Jenny that we would find time to literally engage in that quiet place where we see you, where we hear you. God, where we encounter your goodness. And for the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would just bring to mind every good thought and word that is found in the truth, the Holy Scriptures about our God, any time that we feel like the enemy wants to raise a lie against that. You would bring to mind the scriptures that remind us of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And I ask that you just hold us in a place with tenderness and care and compassion as you begin to refine us in whatever season that we're walking through, God. In John 10.10, you spoke very clearly through Jesus, said, said very clearly to us that the thief He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But you have come. Jesus, you came to give us life and to give it to the fullest. So, Father, open our eyes to those areas that the enemy is trying to rob us, to kill us, to destroy us, especially in the areas of joy. And allow us to walk in the fullness of all that this life has to offer us. You know what? We don't have to wait until we see you face to face in eternity to experience the fullness of joy. We get it in your presence every single morning. We get it in your presence every single moment that we encounter you. So Father, position us in your presence. Let us be drawn there, even in making peanut butter jelly sandwiches for our kids, even in the moments we're driving to work, even in the moments that we're walking into a meeting where we feel absolutely unprepared and scared and overwhelmed and unsure. Even when we're at a doctor visit that we don't know the outcome that's about to be read to us, God, would you give us your presence in those moments so we can inhabit 
the fullness of joy. And God, keep us people that walk in truth and keep us people that resound and say over and 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 over again that you are faithful and you are good. Yes, you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just, I want to keep our focus in prayer. There's two things that were in my heart as, as Candace was leading that. And I just really feel, I, I want us to pray together. If you're listening and you're driving your car, you can still play, pray, don't close your eyes. But I want us to lift up to the, lift up the lonely ones and the ones that are struggling with depression. And they've been, they feel as if they're so void of the joy and happiness. And God, we just lift up those specifically struggling with depression and the ones that feel alone, Lord, I pray for a newfound confidence to reach out to a person. I pray for a positioning of a person to come into their life where they can feel comfortable sharing their struggle, sharing their pain. God, I pray for community to rally around these people that that are struggling and, and a vulnerability to share what they're going through. And God, I pray for a local church, a local body for to support them in the midst of their mental illness. And I pray for prayer teams to rally around them when they say, hey, I really could use prayer. There's so much power in community and sharing. And God, I just pray for boldness in that. And I also want to pray for a childlike wonder and playfulness to return to all of us. I feel like a lot of us have been stifled by uh, rules and <laughs> regulations or whatever, whatever it may be as we have grown older. And I just pray for a return to that childlike wonder and, and playfulness. And from that position, we find greater joy as we re- return to that innocence. And we thank you, God, for Candace and, and the way she led us today. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, y'all. Shut the shit up, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. To share your should, call 315-308-0163. And you may be featured on an upcoming episode. If you've been inspired to stop shitting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.